Take a seat, take a seat. Man, I'm so glad to get to be with you guys. Uh, I do not enjoy cold weather very often, so uh, here is our little snap of cold weather, but so excited to get to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, as we get started, there are two groups of people that are particularly in my heart and on my mind this morning that I want us to pray for. First, very quickly, if you are a teacher of any kind involved in the school system, I know, we know, this has been a particularly trying time for teachers with Omicrons everywhere, kids in and out, you're quarantined or not quarantined, and we want to pray for you because you have an important assignment in the Lord to invest in the next generation. And we wanna pray that the Holy Spirit would strengthen you. So if you're involved in the educational system, if you just raise your hand for just a moment, uh, some of you are here, some of you may not be here, give them a hand, that's awesome. If they're sitting next to you, just extend a hand toward them. If you know of someone in our church that is involved in the education system but is not here, we wanna lift them up. If your kids are in school, I want you to pray for their teachers because, man, they are going through it. So I'm gonna pray. I want you to join in with me. Jesus, thank you that you strengthen us in our weakness, Lord. In this time where so many of our teachers are feeling so tried and stressed and strained of the last two years and particularly this round, of, of Omicron, Lord, we are asking that you would strengthen them by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would refresh them and build them up in this long weekend, Lord, that you would restore their energy, their vision, their passion, their patience, and their love for their kids, Lord, and for their schools. Would you strengthen them in Jesus' name? Second group of people that I want to pray for uh, are those that are sick currently, I know oftentimes, uh, you know, those that are sick are worshiping with us online, and I'm thinking about you today, and so I want you to think about whether that's you or someone in your family, someone in your life group, someone in our church that is sick right now, we are going to pray for the sick in our church and believe for healing. So again, just join with me. Jesus, we lift up every sick person, sick with uh, COVID or anything else, Lord. God, and we are asking that you, our healer, would bring healing over our church in Jesus' name. That you would destroy the sickness, you would destroy the illness, Lord, and you would raise people up. I pray that our church would have a superhuman immune system, Lord, that the sickness would just bounce off of us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Just wanted to pray for those two groups of folks in our church as we gather here today. We are about to enter into an annual tradition for our church, 21 days of prayer and fasting. I share with you two weeks ago that we go into times like these so that we can have intentional time as a church family to get still so that we can get clear on the word of the Lord for 2022. We all need God's wisdom, God's guidance, God's provision, God's grace, God's direction in our lives. And so we wanna take time here at the beginning of the year to stop, to get still, and get clear on God's word and direction for us. And so the way that we do that, one of the ways, is by taking time to pray and to fast. Last week, I spoke with you about fasting and what we're going to be doing in the area of fasting over these 21 days. Fasting is the hinge of history. It's something that God moves through as his people gather to fast and to pray. This year, our theme for our time of prayer and fasting is Isaiah 58, and you received as you came in one of these printed booklets. 
If you're worshiping with us online, we will have these available on our website as well. Um, but you receive this, and this is going to be our, our guide. So if you'll open it up for me. Just first notice the, the beautiful artwork. I love how art helps us worship, and I love the graphic on the front uh, that just draws us into this. And then you'll see this is our participation guide for the time of prayer and fasting. On page two, you'll see Isaiah 58, verse six through 12. This is going to be our theme scripture. We went over this last week. We're gonna be praying and fasting into this uh, over the coming weeks, but I wanna invite you now to read this here in your booklet on your own, and then I'll read it over you here in just a minute. So on page two of your booklet, you'll see Isaiah 58, verse six through 12, and I wanna give you a minute to read that and take it in, because this is what's guiding us in this time of prayer and fasting. The Lord speaking to his people, is not this the kind of fasting that I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild ancient ruins and will raise up the old age-old foundations. You will be called, you will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Such a beautiful 
passage of scripture and an invitation from the Lord to his people to engage with things that are on his heart, not just to fast and pray for personal religious purposes to go through some sort of ritual, but to enter into things that God cares about. And that we believe that God is calling us as a community in this season to engage in this type of fasting. And so last week I shared with you about the fasting portion. I wanna review that today. And then today we're gonna talk more about the prayer portion. So if you will turn to page, in your little booklet, if you'll turn to page five, here are the things that we went over last week of how we're gonna be engaging in fasting in this time. So starting tomorrow and going until February the 6th, we are going to be uh, <clears throat> fasting from media, malicious talk, and the pointing of the finger. So what we wanna do, and this has been our pattern here at the beginning of the year, is to take 21 days to turn off all the extra media in our lives. Turn off the Netflix, turn off the YouTube, turn off the sports talk radio, turn off your podcast, turn off the social medias, turn those things off to just cut out that noise for a while. Again, clarity, if you are a student, don't tell your teachers you can't turn in an assignment because your pastor said y'all are on a media fast, don't do that. If you are an employee, don't tell your boss you can't do that presentation because it requires you to get on your computer and you're on a media fast. That's not the heart of it, right? We all have certain aspects of media that are built into our lives. I'm talking about the discretionary use that we have that it's become so easy to fill every waking moment with media just saturating our minds, our hearts, our time. So what we're doing is we're turning things off for 21 days. We're gonna say we're gonna check out for 21 days to have extra time to seek the Lord. We're going to intentionally uh, stop malicious talk and the pointing of the finger. Now you may ask, wait, hold on, I thought we were not supposed to be malicious people always. You're right. But what I've realized is so often we can know the right thing, but over time we can drift in our hearts and in our minds, where we start to blame others, or we start to be critical, we can develop a critical spirit. So we wanna take time just cutting out the media that is so often fueled by blame and accusation, and then taking fresh time in our own hearts to search our hearts and say, Lord, where am I pointing the finger? Where am I engaging in malicious talk? Just straight from the passage of the scripture that we're reading here, Isaiah 58. When we get to the end of the fasting, enjoy your media in, in God-given uh, limits. And it's not like we get to the end of the fast, we're like, now I can just lay into whoever I want to, right, because I've had 21 days off. No, 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 we're just wanting this to be part of a lifestyle. So this is more like a, a tune-up in that area uh, that we're wanting to do. And then three, we're gonna be fasting from food on Tuesdays. So on Tuesdays, we wanna call everyone in the church to engage in fasting from food at a level. You figure out what that looks like for you. So that may be a meal, that may be two meals, that may be the whole day, but we wanna take time to live out this passage of engaging in fasting, and instead of just saying, okay, I'm not going to eat, this is the unique way we're engaging this year. 
with the money that you would have spent on that meal, we want to encourage you to take that money and to give it to one of our ministry partners that we work with that's doing practical work to live out these values in this passage, to give to Unbound, who is working to uh, set the oppressed free in the area of human trafficking, to give to Austin Street Center, who is working to help people who are without shelter have shelter here in our city, and with Forerunner Mentoring that is working to provide kids in our neighborhood that don't have father figures in the home with male mentors in their life. Uh, if you've been a part of our church, you know Unbound, you know Austin Street, you know Forerunner, but what we wanna do is we wanna say, okay, if I would've spent 73 cents on that bowl of cereal this morning, I'm gonna take that 73 cents and I'm gonna sow it financially into Austin Street to what they're doing with the homeless. Or if you would've eaten lunch at Chick-fil-A, uh, you know, I'm, instead of that $10 I would have gotten at, at Chick-fil-A, I'm gonna sew that into Forerunner Mentoring. We're gonna have one each day. So on Tuesdays, over the next three weeks, I wanna challenge you to find some place and space to fast, to abstain from food, and then take the resource that you would have spent on that food and sew it in. So here in the guide, you'll see there's a little kind of daily ways to engage. Each time we come to a Tuesday, they will be, there will be directions on how to give, how to give to Unbound one week, how to give to Austin Street the next week, how to give to Forerunner Mentoring the week after that. That's how we're engaging in the fasting portion. We talked about that last week. We have that right here. What I wanna speak with you about today and hopefully encourage you with is what we couple with fasting and that is prayer. And I wanna speak to you today about the power of prayer. You can see on page six, some of the ways that we're going to be praying, uh, and I wanna to talk to you about that today. So, looking back at Isaiah 58, if you uh, focus in on verse nine, if you look at verse nine, the Lord is speaking to his people and he's talking to them about fasting and sowing into his heart for justice and love, and then in verse nine, he says this, he says, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here am I. So along with the fasting, God is calling his people to prayer. When he's talking about calling to the Lord, he's, he's talking about when we pray. So this call to fasting is not just to fasting. It's not just to demonstrating his love in the area of justice and seeing the oppressed set free, but it's also a call to a life of prayer a people of prayer, and I've come today with one simple message for you as we live this out over the next 21 days, and that's this. God provides through the prayers of his people. God provides through the prayers of his people. It's what it says here in this passage. He's saying, then you will call, that's you praying, and guess what, I'm going to provide. I will answer. Then you will cry for help, and I will say, here am I. If you look down uh, further in verse 11, it says, the Lord will guide you always. So they're praying and they're calling out, and what do they receive? They receive guidance. How many of us need guidance here at the beginning of the year? He says, he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land that's talking about provision. As you pray and call out to the Lord, he will 
provide. He will give you provision. That's satisfying your needs. The sun-scorched land. Who all in here needs provision here at the beginning of the year, right? And then he will say, um, he said, he'll strengthen your frame, right? That's strength that God provides through prayer. So big idea, God provides through the prayers of his people. God provides through the prayers of his people. This is echoed not just here in Isaiah 58, but it runs throughout scripture, and it's Jesus's invitation to his disciples is to live a life of prayer and seeing God provide through prayer. I wanna share with you three quick scriptures straight from the lips of Jesus to his disciples on this topic of God providing through the prayers of his people. Jesus in John 14, he tells his disciples, he says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, I am going to provide through your prayers. John 15, he reiterates this. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What's he saying again? He's saying, I want to provide through your prayers as my disciples, that this brings glory to God. Later in John 15, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I've appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Wow. Now, do we know all the dynamics of how this works? No. This is a mystery, but it's a mystery that Jesus invites us as his disciples into a life where we pray and we see God provide through our prayers. So don't get lost in, well, what about this and what about that and what about this situation? No, no, no. Let's just respond to the Lord's invitation. Jesus, as our leader, saying, I want to provide for you through your prayers. Isaiah 58, then you will call to me and I will answer you. You will cry to me and I will, for help, and I will say, here am I. God wants to provide through the prayers of his people. Now, I have a few names. Uh, I go by Zach. Many of you know me as Zach. Some of you call me Pastor Zach. My aunts and uncles, they call me Zachary. That's my you know, full name that my parents gave me. Uh, my legal first name is James, so my full name is James Zachary Daniel. So some people call me James some telemarketers call and they're like, you got three first names. I'm just gonna pick one and throw it out there to you, right? Any other three first name people in the house? We got a few Maxwell, there we go, thank you. Uh, some people call me Mr. Daniel or Mr. Zach. Uh, maybe I'll get a Pastor Zach or my, my parents call me son. My kids call me dad. All those different names point back to me and are ways that people know me and I am known. Right In scripture, what we see is that God has a number of names that his people describe him with throughout the history of the people of God. One of those names is Jehovah Jireh, which means God will provide. 
Jehovah Jireh, the Hebrew word, the way they would have said it in the Old Testament, meaning God will provide. And I love this insight from Dr. Tony Evans on God's heart as provider. He says the root word for the name Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, literally means to see. Yet the compound name when put together means to provide. So what's being said here is that God sees the need, God sees your need and mine, and God provides. And while the name is not used, meaning not referenced in the New Testament, it is a theme of the teaching of Jesus, like what we just read. And it's a foreshadowing of the Lamb of God being provided to take away the sins of the world. And I wanna tell you that as we experience God's provision through prayer, it helps us to know him in a deeper way. When you experience God providing through the prayers of his people, you realize he's not a distant deity, a historical figure, or some abstract idea. But he is a God who wants to draw near, wants to provide, wants to be known, wants you to know him as Jehovah Jireh, not just the testimony of saints of old, but your testimony in your life that you would have experienced him providing through your prayers. And for many of us, that is a part of our experience. And then for some of us, this is new and we're learning. We're all across the board here in the church. Well, this 21 days of prayer and fasting is an opportunity to know God in this way as our provider and to see him provide. Another reason why this is so important is not only does it add depth to our relationship with him, but I want you to know that you have a calling that is so significant that it cannot be accomplished in your own strength alone. You have a calling from the Lord. There are good works that God has called you to walk in. There is a life that God has called you to walk in that is so significant, so powerful, such dynamics to it that it cannot be accomplished in human strength alone. It will take all of your human strength. It will take all of your diligence, all of your effort, all of those things. But Jesus has called us to a supernatural life. Jesus has called us to a spirit-filled life. Jesus has called us to a life not limited by, well, this is what I have, but invited into this life with God that is marked by supernatural presence. Again, Isaiah 58, you're calling out, here am I. So you and I, we will not be able to fulfill our calling. We will not be able to walk into the life that God has for us if we don't learn to experience his provision through prayer. Because God has things for you that he wants to release in your life and mine, and the way they're going to be released is in prayer. So the only way for us to live out our calling is to learn that God provides through the prayers of his people. James chapter four articulates it this way. He's talking to believers. He's talking about issues going on in their lives. And he makes this bold statement. He says, James chapter four, verse two, you do not have because you do not ask God. Just let that sit with us for a moment. The significance of that. 
that there are things that God wants to do in our lives, ways that he wants to provide, that James, one of the apostles, the half-brother of Jesus, martyred for his faith, leader in the early church is saying, I want to tell you a secret. Sometimes there is breakthrough that God wants to bring, but you have not asked. I mean, there are breakthroughs that God wants to give and he's waiting for you and I to engage in prayer because God provides through the prayers of his people. And in these 21 days, this is an opportunity for us not just to hear a sermon or to see a scripture, but to engage and to live out our faith in real and tangible ways. Now, I want to share with you a story And in this moment, I risk becoming your dad, grandfather, aunt, or uncle at the family gatherings who tells some of the same stories over and over each time you get together. And after a while, particularly when you're young, you're like, oh, here we go again. But what you realize is our elders are bringing things out that they believe are important, that are history that we need to remember, that roots us and grounds us as a family. So if you are a part of our church, I'm going to tell you a story that my hope is you're like, oh, here he goes again with this story. And if you're new, my hope is that you would be inspired by this. But for all of us, whether you've heard it a dozen times from me over the last 12 years, or you've heard, this is your first time, that this will be part of our family story They would highlight, man, years change, seasons change, times change, people change. This is a value that we don't want to change. So I wanna tell you the story of George Mueller, and I wanna tell you the story of our church. George Mueller, you can put him up there, uh, and I will do this if you're new. I will do this every year, and I will make the same comment about how cool his beard is every year. So you can just count on that. Let me tell you a little bit about George Mueller. George was a German who lived in the 1800s, and he was a believer, a follower of Jesus, and the reason that I'm telling you this story is because his life illustrates how God provides through the prayers of his people. It's been so meaningful to me, and it's been so meaningful to my family. It's been so meaningful to our church. It's something that we wanna come back to of like, man, this, I couldn't think of a better person to embody this Isaiah 58 calling that we're entering into over the next three weeks. So he lived in the 1800s, and in his day, the Industrial Revolution was sweeping across, and one of the after effects of the Industrial Revolution was an incredible amount of orphans, uh, children who were in poverty and without parents. It was a a crisis in his day. And he read in Scripture uh, passages like what we read in Isaiah 58, and God put on his heart to care for the orphans of his day. In Mueller's day, he lived in England, and it said that, um, excuse me, in his day, there were 3,600 orphans in England who were in orphanages that they knew about. There were another 7,000 that were in prison, kids under age eight that they didn't know what to do with, so they put them in prison. Just sit with that for a moment. So 3,600 orphans in orphanages, another 7,000 in prisons, let alone the orphans that they didn't know about. And God put this on George Mueller's heart to do something about this. So over the course of his life, he began this work when he was 29, any 29-year-olds? In here, we got a few 29-year-olds. 
He began this work when he was 29, and he spent his life on it. And by the time that he was 50, God had used him to build five large orphan houses that cared for 10,000 orphans under his care, under the houses that he started. But his life was so inspirational and his work was so powerful that God inspired others through Mueller so they can trace 100,000 orphans who are cared for in England alone through Mueller and through his work. That's incredible. That's incredible. So not only does he have an awesome beard, but what a powerful life. And I love when you dig into his story what he said. He wrote about why did I start these orphan houses? Why did I go about this? And this is what I wanna share with you. This is why I'm sharing this with you today. He said, I started them that God may be glorified. Should he be pleased to furnish with me the means, the resources, and it's being seen that it is not a vain thing to trust in God and that thus the faith of his children may be strengthened. Mueller wanted to start out caring for orphans and he did it through prayer. His biography, if you're looking for something to read as we turn off all the you know, social media and Netflix and everything, get his autobiography, he's got his journals, but he describes the prayers that he would pray and the way that he would see God provide and provide for the orphans. And he wanted to do this so that he might have a living testimony to the people of God, to people like you and me, that we might see how God has been faithful to provide through the prayers of his people, that it might stir faith in our hearts. He did this so that God would be glorified as he provided for Mueller and provided through for the orphans through Mueller's prayers that thus the faith of his children, meaning you and me, might be strengthened. I love that. I love the story of George Mueller. And when I read this, when I read about his prayer and how that fueled the orphanages, that fueled the launch and the care for, these orphanages, there's so many stories of them not having resource and him praying and somehow, somewhere, money or bread or teachers or buildings or whatever would come together to care for the orphans, my faith was stirred. And I was like reading these passages, Isaiah 58, John 14, James 4, reading about Mueller, I was like, I want to live this kind of life. And for our church, this is the type of life that we want to pursue, a people who know God as Jehovah Jireh, amen? A people who experience God's provision through the prayers of his people, and a people who live in such a way that there is not a natural explanation, that there'll be one thing after another, just like Mueller, where we could look around and be like, our lives are testimonies of God's faithfulness to provide for his people through prayer, that people everywhere might be strengthened in their faith. So now look down at the chair that you're sitting in for just a moment. At one point, this entire building that we were in was the subject of prayer. We didn't always have these chairs. We didn't always have this sanctuary. We didn't always have these video cameras. We didn't have, always have these teams and children's ministry facilities. And a number of years ago, we were in need of a new building as a community. We had outgrown the one that we were in. If you were a part of our church in those days, those are sweet memories, but man, 
Our building was hurting. If it rained, uh, it would rain through the ceiling. So we would play that old worship song, Let It Rain, and it literally would rain on you. Uh, there'd be times where we're trying to, Stephen Murray, thank you, where we're trying to put trash bags over the ceiling on the inside to catch where water was dripping. The halls in that building were maybe, I don't know, a foot wide, like they were so tiny. Uh, it just, it, it, had, uh, it had struggles. I, I, yeah, I'm, it, was, it, was, it was rough, but it was home in that season. But we'd outgrown that building and they were gonna tear it down and we were looking for something new. But if you don't know, real estate in Dallas is really expensive. <laughs> so trying to find a building for a church was just like, oh my goodness, we're not a church with a trust fund. We're not a church with Dak Prescott as the donor. Although Dak, if you want to do that, that's great. They can just underwrite everything. We are just people of God trying to follow Jesus. And so with the example of Mueller, with the example of John 14, with the example of Isaiah 58, we began a season, we called it That We May. I was looking at it this morning and I was reminiscing. We were talking about, man, God, what are you calling us to? And how can we pray into that, which is not seen today, but because we trust you to provide through the prayers of your people that we will see it one day. And the Lord led us to this space uh, which was, we just stumbled onto it, this space right here. And we kind of did the math on how much money we would need to be able to get in, and it seemed like a lot of money to us at the time. And we we're like, oh man, I think the Lord wants us to do this, but, but we're gonna need him to provide. And so we began a giving campaign as the church. Uh, we were sowing into that and believing God for that money, uh, and it was coming in, but there was still a long way to go, and we were getting toward the deadline. And they were literally, we gotta be out of our building because they're gonna tear it down. And I remember someone in our church asking me uh, privately, he said, hey, what happens if the money doesn't come in? And I said to them, I literally don't know. I don't know. Any of y'all ever been in a situation like that where you're like, if God doesn't come through, I don't know what to do? Right, that's where we were. So we began uh, 21 days of prayer, praying into God, we are looking to you and we believe that you provide through the prayers of your people. And I won't ever forget in that 21 days, we were about halfway there when it started. Uh, in that 21 days, God provided the rest. He provided above and beyond. I even had people call and say, please don't shut off the offering, because I still believe God wants me to give even more to it. It was remarkable. So when we stand in this building, when we worship in this building, what I remember was one day, this building was on a list of prayer points. The chairs that you're sitting in were on a list of prayer points. The children's ministry facilities was like, we don't have this, we don't have the resources for this, but we believe God wants to do this, and we as a church family have seen God provide. We said in those days that we wanted to see God provide that we may gather people to worship and encounter the Lord, and here we are. We said we wanted to see God provide that we may have a space to invest in the next generation, and each and every week, week in and week out, we're getting an opportunity to invest in kids, zero, uh, all the way up into student years, to invest in the next generation that came out of the place of prayer. 
We said that we believe that God had called us to be a house for a house of prayer for all nations, that we would be a place of prayer and we'd be a place of prayer for the nations. And last week, I was just, uh, when I went home, I was reflecting on this, that last week I talked to people who had been in Dallas for multiple generations and people who were recent. I talked to people from Nigeria, Peru, Colombia, Iran, China, India, Romania, Vietnam. I even saw Cowboys fans and Packer fans, 49er fans and Saint fans, Dolphin fans, Aggies and Longhorns, Horn Frogs and Baylor Bears, Oklahoma Sooners, all sorts of people gathered here to pray and to seek God and to believe to be a house of prayer for the nations. Absolutely amazing. So what I want you to know is that as we enter into this time of prayer and fasting, that we as a people have seen God provide through our prayers. That we enter into the testimony of Isaiah 58, of Jesus in John 14, of George Mueller, and we will see it again. Our life group on Wednesday night, we were doing men's discipleship group. A few folks in our group are sick, so we were all FaceTiming together, and we were talking about this 21 days of prayer coming up and starting out, and we were recounting things that last year were the subject of our prayers. And we had one significant, uh, we had a number of breakthroughs, but one very significant breakthrough answer to prayer in our men's discipleship group that we were laughing about this uh, last week because of how significant and how different things are after the year. And it stirred our faith to believe the Lord again for this next year. And I wanna stir your faith today. I wanna stir your faith to believe God, that God wants to provide through your prayers, and then we're going to go as a people over the next 21 days, and we are going to sow into things, sow in prayer, live out this passage of scripture, and then trust that God will do what he's been so faithful to do, which is provide through the prayers of his people. Now, I'm at least preaching to myself today, but man, I'm getting fired up. I hope you're getting fired up as well. So how in the world are we going to do that? Look on page six, page six of your booklet. One of the things that we always do in this season is that we identify and we want to identify one big thing that we believe God is calling each one of us to pray into. This could be personal for you. This could be about guidance that you need, provision that you need, breakthrough that you need. It might be something about a job or a relationship. I don't know what those things are, but we want to help you identify what is one thing, one big thing that you want to pray and fast and seek God over the next 21 days in. And so this booklet helps you walk through your one big thing. So let me see what page that's on. It is on page nine and 10. You'll see some questions, some prompts to help you identify what's that one big thing God is calling you to pray for. So this afternoon, go home, be blessed, watch the Cowboys game. Uh, Hopefully they win. And then tomorrow, when we turn off the screens, right, spend tomorrow evening identifying your one big thing. God, what are you calling me for? What's the area that I wanna believe you to provide in? And there's some questions here to help you discern that. And then, 
we wanna share those in our life groups. Man, you wanna talk about bonding people together as we share these areas that we want to believe God for. We share them together in life groups, in community, and then over the next three weeks, your life group, you're gonna pray with your life group, contending not just for your one big thing, but for the one big things in your life group that y'all can pray into together. And then we're going to have one big thing as a church in addition to this, and that is praying Isaiah 58, six through 12 over our church family. So for the next three Sundays, when we gather together, we're gonna have a shorter preaching time. We're gonna have longer worship and longer prayer because we're not just gonna hear the word, we're not just gonna be hearers of the word, but we're gonna do the word together. Alongside that, you'll see in your booklet, you'll see starting on page 13 that there is a daily prayer from Isaiah 58 that we want to pray together, and this is how we're praying as a church family. So just to review, the ways that we are going to be praying is on Sundays as a church family, that's everyone, we're gonna be praying weekly in life groups, and we have a Jesus hour towards the tail end of this where we'll be praying together in life groups, and then daily, we want to encourage you to use this guide to pray and to fast and to seek the Lord each day over the next 21 days. I don't know if you're inspired, but I am inspired and I'm excited to lead you in. And what I hope for you is that we would have the ability to enter into things that are important to the Lord here at the beginning of the year. That we would make space to get still so that we might get clear on what God is speaking to each one of us and that we might pray into things and see God provide through the prayers of his people that you and I, like Mueller and like our church, could look back over our lives and say, I don't have a self-built life. It's taken self-effort, but it's not built on just my own resources. But we could look back and we could see, man, Lord, look how you provided here and here and here and here and here and here that we might know him as Jehovah Jireh, that we might live our calling and that the faith of the people of God might be strengthened through our testimonies because we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So with that, I wanna invite the worship team to come forward. We are going to respond. I wanna invite you to stand up. And the way we're gonna respond this morning uh, is, hey, I want you to pray, and I want you to be a part of this time of prayer and fasting. So when we leave here, my goal is that everyone would participate that everyone would play a part in some way over these next 21 days. And I just wanna lead us in a time, even as we worship, we're gonna do something different than, than normal. Uh, we're gonna take time just to worship and pray a prayer of consecration. That we, as the people of God, that we would commit ourselves to the Lord over this season in prayer and fasting. So we'll, we won't do the standard ministry time today. I just want to lead us in that way I think it's important for us. So I'm gonna pray, and the worship team is gonna lead us, and we're gonna worship and respond to the Lord. God, thank you for this invitation to your people to be ones that pray and fast and enter into the things that you care about, to be a part of seeing earth made like heaven. Thank you that you provide through the prayers of your people. And Lord, just as we begin to set out on this journey, 
God, would you give us grace? Would you speak to us even now? Things that you're wanting us to pray for, things that you're wanting us to believe for, things that you want to do in and through us as we pray, as we fast, whether that be an individual level, a marriage level, a roommate level, a family level, a life group level, a church-wide level. What are those things, Lord? Because we as your people, we gather here and we open ourselves to you, Lord. And we open ourselves over these next 21 days into the things that you're calling us to. As the worship team leads us, I wanna invite you to respond by committing these 21 days to the Lord.